the sultry songstress, Tina Turner, uh, used to sing a song entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? And so today, your pastor teacher is also singing a song, so to speak, a sermonic song that is entitled, New Hope, What Do Your Eyes Have to Do With It? Mm. Now, in Tina's song, Tina went on to say something in her song that I definitely disagree with. Tina, in her song, went on to say, describing love, she says, what's love but a secondhand emotion? I totally disagree with that description of love because the Bible says that God is love. God is not a secondhand emotion, but he's a firsthand experience and a divine person. Amen. And as such, God gives us firsthand experiences whereby we can and should see what God is doing all around us that will bring him glory. Amen. And just as sure as you're looking at me and seeing me live and in living color, you should also be able to see that God is real, Amen. that Jesus is alive, and that Jesus is working all around us. So today's message is going to center on the fact that God can use our natural eyes to sharpen our spiritual vision when we see what it is that God wants us to see. If you're with me, would you say amen? amen. Now, I want to put a disclaimer out here right now at the inception of this message because the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's true. And I understand that. But what the Bible also equally reveals is that there are things that God wants us to see with our natural eyes that can complement our faith, that can encourage our faith. And that can enhance our faith. Amen. And I want to prove that with the scripture. And I hope that God's word will help us to, 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 to develop and flourish and get to the places where God would have us to be. God is an awesome God. And I want to say that God has a variety of different methods whereby he teaches us. Amen. God is not a one-shot cookie cutter kind of God. God has diverse and creative ways of teaching us. And we should be diverse and creative in how we serve God. Amen. Aren't you glad everybody's not like you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God is a diverse God, right? He's a creative God, right? Amen. So with that being said, the Bible in verse 21 uh, speaks to us, and speaks to us rather dramatically at verse 21. I have the NIV, but other translations record this very um, um, inclusive phrase I'm going to say Moses is, is reminding this new generation he's, he's, he's dealing with this new generation of Israelites who got the faith to go into the promised land they're going in except the two and a half tribes who want their possessions on the east side they say we don't want to cross over we don't want to go into the promised land we like what we see over here and God allowed them to have it but you still got to help your brothers get theirs remember that? Notice what it says, at that time, very important phrase, 
At that time, I commanded Joshua. I want to park for a moment on those three words there. At that time, very, very important, and I always teach, never allow any word to pass you by. At that time is a time marker. And time markers in scripture are very, very important, and so is grammar. Now, he's saying at that time, any serious Bible student should ask, what time? And he's giving us a time marker at that time. So our question should be, at what time? And then that reveals to us that context is so important. Context has to do with what comes before this passage. Context has to do what comes after this passage. And I told you before we started reading, immediately what comes before this passage is the fact, and we, we dealt with this in our lesson last week, is the fact that two and a half tribes out of 12 tribes decided they don't want to cross over. You remember that? Last week's message. This is the pretext to today's message, but it helps us understand the importance of context, the overall picture God is giving us, because it point at that time, points to what took place before verse 21. If you wouldn't, would you say amen? amen. And, and, and what took place was two and a half tribes said, we don't want to cross over. We don't want to go. We don't want our possession in the promised land. We like what we see over here. We, we, we defeated kings over here. There were kingdoms over here. There were fortified cities over here. Fortified walls over here. We defeated Og of Bashan. We defeated Sion. Uh, uh, um, of Heshbon, and we like what we got from them, and we don't want to cross over. And I found out, based on scripture, that everybody don't want to go, necessarily, to all the places God has taken a congregation. I, I, I wish everybody, well, let me be careful, <laughs> but everybody, let me put it another way, everybody may not be designed to go. One of the things that any pastor who's pastored more than one church will, will, will tell you is everyone who starts the journey with you is not going to complete the journey with you. And that's just the nature of pastoral uh, ministry. So two and a half tribes said, we don't want to go over. We want to stay over here. We like what we see over here. God allows them to do that. But they still got to help their brother, right? Amen. Their brethren. So... At that time is a reference to Moses, as we think about last week's message, Moses instructed and prepared two and a half tribes and the other Israelites to still go over on the other side. He told the two and a half tribes who wanted their inheritance on this side, that's fine, but you got to help your brother. You still got to cross over armed to help your brothers. So he's instructing them, he's preparing them the two and a half tribes as well as the other Israelites to cross over into your inheritance on the other side and your brethren are going to help you. So in a summary way, it's a time, it's a period of instruction and a period of preparation. Would you say instruction? instruction. Would you say preparation? preparation? That's the time that these three words is referring to. In a summary way, it's a, a time of instruction and preparation, much like what God is doing with New Hope Church right now through his word. Amen. We are in, and, and, and what's important about this that I want you to get from a teaching perspective is God often works with us in sequences of time. Mm 
I don't want you to miss that. God often works with us in sequences of time. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 3 opens up with, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to plant, there's a time to pluck up what's planted, because God often works with his people in sequences of time. So what I'm teaching in part today is, is that it's important for the spirit to to be sensitive to what season you're in individually, and what season you're in corporately as a church, because God, God often deals with us in sequences of time. Scholars call that a timeline of redemptive history, uh, that all of us who are Christians are on this timeline. It's a linear timeline of sacred or redemptive history. And it's important to begin to understand where are you? I'm, the, the word is up here. I know there's noise back there, but the word is up here. So God wants us to understand where we are at in sacred history in terms of what God is doing in this season. It's the season of instruction. It's the season of preparation. That God, at that time, at that sequence of time when I've been instructing you and when, when I've been preparing you, notice he has another instructional task to do. And that is to prepare the next leader. Matter of fact, the one who's going to take his place. Yes. I thought about that in my study and preparation. Have you ever had to prepare anybody to take your place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. This is what Moses is, is about to do. Because right. Moses knows he's not going cross. He, he, God has already made that clear. You're not going over. But there has to be somebody else to lead God's people. Amen. And that assignment it goes to Joshua. So although he's preparing two and a half tribes to help their brother, although he's preparing the other ones to cross over, he got to go to the next leader. And he's got to prepare them. I want New Hope to understand that a part of the season that I think God is taking us into is we have to prepare young people to take our place. Amen. 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 I just wanted to let that sink in for a bit because I think it's in part that kind of season because if you were here for our last youth day, it was a wonderful thing. We had adult mentors mentoring young people in the very different assignments of the church. Evan was under the wing of Naeem. The twins were under the wing of their grandfather. Different ones were under the wing, but that's a good thing because God has the church at New Hope preparing young people because I hate to tell you, you ain't going to be here all the time. Unless Jesus come back, then we all go. Amen. We all go with him. But if Jesus tarries, we're going to need, we're going to need replacements, right? Amen. Right? So, so he, he goes to Joshua at that time, that time of instruction, that time of preparation. And watch what he says. This is absolutely awesome. It blew me away because he says to Joshua, you, you have seen, watch this, with your own eyes. Don't miss that. All that the Lord, your God, has done. Now, he's really talking about Joshua's natural eyes here. He's not talking about, he's not spiritualizing it. He's not talking about any 
spiritual type stuff, except to say with your natural eyes, your eyes, you didn't have to borrow nobody else's eyes. You didn't have to go on any kind of secondhand account. Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes what the Lord has done. And, and, and see, what I want us to get from this message, the major thing, hopefully several things, but the major thing is sometimes God will allow us to see with our natural eyes things that he wants us to see to strengthen our spiritual eyes. In other words, God sometimes uses natural senses like sight and hearing also. There's another natural sense that God uses mightily for his kingdom. Seeing and hearing, they're natural senses. We got five of them, right? Amen. Can we name them? Sight, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. Now, I ain't hear too many other voices. Look at all that. I said, can we name them? I, I, I jumped in there. I thought y'all would be with me, right? Come on, let's do that again now. Sight, hearing, tasting, Smelling and touching. He particularly uses hearing and seeing because God sometimes will work things for us to see with our natural eye that is going to strengthen and encourage our faith. If you're with me, would you say amen? Amen. 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 You, 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 Joshua, you, you, you have seen with your own eyes what the Lord, your God, has done. Now, I mentioned grammar is important to Bible interpretation. Note that he says you have seen. This is how, this is how the NIV puts it. Joshua, you have seen. You have seen is a, is a past tense, and grammar is called a perfect tense. It means it's an event that happened in the past. You have seen is a perfect tense verbal expression, which means that the event has already taken place sometime in the past and it's over. That action, that event has taken place in the past, it's done with, it's over, it's wrapped up, but the effects are ongoing. And grammar is called perfect tense. It happened, the event happened in the past, it's all wrapped up, it's done with, but the effects are ongoing. Think about this. Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ have died 2,000 years ago. Perfect tense verbal expression. It happened in the past. That event is done with. It's wrapped up. But baby, the effects of that are ongoing. Matter of fact, let me come right up your street. I bet Jesus Christ have done some stuff for you in the past yeah, 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 yeah. that let you know uh-huh. that nobody else could have done that right. but the Lord. Amen. It's been in the past, yeah. but the effects of what he did is still ongoing yeah. because Jesus has brought you out before. Yeah. When you come up against a wall now, wow. you have an encouragement because you know like nobody else right. know what God has done for you in the right. past that strengthens your faith right now. Amen. Is there a witness? Let me just make sure I'm in the right house. Has God done anything for anybody in here? Yes. Has God ever done anything for you in the past? Yes. 
and it helps to build and strengthen you. The next time the enemy comes in like a flood, you say, wait a minute now, this ain't the first time I've had some issues. This ain't the first time I had some challenges and the same God who brought me out in the past is the same God that can bring me out today. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. The effects, will somebody say the effects, are still ongoing, although the action is done with. I grew up down Manchester, right? This came to me. This just came to me. Now, down Manchester, there was times when you would get in some scuffles. That's just the way, that's just the way it was. Am I right, Scrap? Scrap is from Manchester, and his name is Scrap. <laughs> but he, he, I, I point that out because I used to watch him, so I know. But, but the point is, this is I'm just, just by way of illustration, there would be times when you, you would get in some scrap, but if you dust somebody else real good, that then is over with, but they want, next time they think about they ain't even going to think about it. Next time, I mean, if you dust them off. That might have been two weeks ago. But they want to think about before they try, they, before they try to cross you again, right? right? The effects of it, they still know about. <laughs> That's just real life. Y'all don't mind me being real, do you? Be real fast. <laughs> uh, so so you, you, you've seen it, Joshua? You have seen it with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done. Watch this closely to these two kings. Don't miss that. Remember we had a lesson about, you remember they destroyed those two kings? Sion of Heshbon, Agabation, who had these fortified kingdoms. God is speaking to us. Kings represent, represent power people. Kings represent authority. Kings represent um, people with impact, power, and authority. What is God saying to us? What is God saying to us as, as, we, as we make appropriate applications today because scripture, all of scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and for doctrine and reproof. So as we take an Old Testament text and make applications today and we look at them destroying power people. Kings are power people. Would you agree with that? Amen. Kings have kingdoms, which means they have followers who are, 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 are in allegiance to the king, and the king has utter authority in, monarchy, in monarchies. But here's what the message, and it's a message to you, New Hope. Joshua, you have seen... Not what you have done, not what the Israelites have done, but Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes what the Lord has done to these uh, people of authority, these power people, with these kings, these rulers. So, what I want, what I hope you understand, New Hope, is as we move forward in the Lord, there will be opposition. And don't be surprised when it comes. And sometimes the opposition may be from authority figures, power people. 
But if we're in God's will, if, no, no, let me rephrase. If we're in God's will, this is what I want you to understand based on Scripture, that although power, people, authority figures may come against, they do come against the church. But the point is, if we are in God's will and moving in alignment with God, the Bible clearly says if God is for us, who can be against us. And that includes power people, 40 figures, governmental figures. Yeah. It don't make any difference because we ought to obey God yeah. and not man. And I found out if we moving in the flow of God that no weapon no formed weapon. against us shall yeah. prosper. And every tongue that rises up yeah. against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Yes. My God. Amen. In Christ, somebody help me and say, in Christ. in Christ. Our natural eyes can instruct and prepare us. Remember those, that's, that's the season, instruction and preparation. In Christ, our natural eyes can instruct and prepare us for our spiritual destiny. When we see things with our natural eye that God wants us to see, our natural eyes can sharpen our spiritual vision. Amen. Let me, let, me, let me give you an illustration, another illustration. Um, a part of my vision, this has been expressed uh, on several different occasions. You will be hearing it again. A part of my vision here at the New Hope Church that I, I'm convinced is God-given is that I believe with all my heart, God wants to take New Hope down to Memphis, Tennessee. You know that. I, I, I've mentioned that. Because it has a spiritual component and to built into it, God wants new hope to see with your natural eyes the Hope Church, that's the name of it, we're New Hope, they're called Hope, in Memphis, Tennessee, and it has spiritual content associated with it. That's part of my vision for us, New Hope. Amen. Now, I believe God, and I know God can do, Amen. God can do anything. Amen. I know God can make a way. But if by chance, the devil try to put some doubt in my mind. You know the devil will do that. Yeah. And every now and then, he, you know, little kind of thoughts come leafing through my head. Cooper, you can't lead any people. You can't lead people down to Memphis. And, and when those kind of thoughts come in my mind, you know how I respond? You, you're right, devil. I sure can't. But I know somebody who can. Okay, His name is Jehovah God. Yeah, yeah. What I can't do, clearly what I can't do, clearly he can do. Yeah. Right. And what I want you to know is that sometimes God gives us visuals, visual, physical stimuli to encourage our spiritual vision. Let me explain. Every time I come to the New Hope Church, every time that I come down here, there's a visual stimuli that encourages my faith to let me know that God is able. How many of you know God is able? Amen. See, when I came here, when I came here. The elders told me, I inquired about it. I said, you know what? My wife and I had talked one day. She said, you know what? She said, it would be really good if we had a wheelchair ramp. And I thought about that. I said, you know what? That is important to have because there's people who may want to come to church and they may have an affliction and they can't come into the church. It's important for us to have a wheelchair ramp. The elders told me when I first came here that the way this building is constructed, this building is not capable and because of how it's instructed, constructed of having a wheelchair ramp. That's what the elders told me. They said they looked into it. And they said the way the construction of the building is, 
we're not able to have a wheelchair ramp. And then they said, even if we were, they said it would be so cost prohibitive, cost prohibitive, it would be so expensive that we couldn't do, it couldn't be done. Every time I come to New Hope, I see a wheelchair ramp. Yeah. Right outside, with my own eyes, uh-huh. I see a wheelchair ramp. And the point I'm trying to make with that is God allows my natural eyes to see a wheelchair ramp that I was told was in part that we could not do at the New Hope Church. But God, every time, whether it's on a day, day that I come down here, during a week, whether it's on Saturday, whether it's on Sunday, every time I have a visual reminder, we got a wheelchair ramp in Wellings. Yeah. Because God is able to use physical, material, visual stimuli to encourage our spiritual faith. He's able. He's able. Never count Jesus. I'll never say you can't when you got Jesus. Anybody remember Barack Obama's motto when he was a candidate? Yes, we can. And as Christians, that's our motto. Yes, we can. When the devil says, no, we can't, we say in Christ, yes, we can. Amen. We have seen, when we have seen God at work in the past, it can strengthen our faith in the future. I want you to turn just, just to this scripture. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. Probably be the only scripture that I have you turn to, but I want you to see this with your own eyes. First Samuel 17. And somebody in here might shout, and it might just be me. First Samuel 17, beginning at verse 33. And we're going to read down to verse 37. I'm going to read it, but I want you to follow along because it highlights scripturally what I'm trying to teach right now in terms of how God can use visual encouragement to stimulate our faith. Now, this is David. And David happens to take some cheeseburgers to his brothers who's in the Israeli army. And he happens to see this giant taunting the people of God. And, 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 David, and David's type of faith disposition, he, he, he ain't, I don't care what his size is, he ain't supposed to be taunting the people of the living God. So this is what, this is what the scripture says. You know, um, nobody was, was fighting though because everybody was scared of him because he was a giant. But in verse 33, you have 1 Samuel 17, 33. If you have it, would you say amen? amen? And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But faith does, doesn't take no for an answer. Faith says, yes, we can. That's right. Next verse. But David said to Saul, your, your, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Now, when you see a dead lion on the, when you see a a lion's corpse on the ground and a bear corpse on the ground that God gave you the anointing to kill, that should do something for your faith. I mean, when you see with your natural eye a lion's corpse on the ground, you're looking at it with your natural eye. That's what David said, I killed it. The corpse is on the ground. He saw what his natural he saw what God can do with his natural eye. But I think that would encourage your faith. 
Verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. What is David doing? David is using what his natural eyes saw God do in the past. So when this challenge come up, he's like, he ain't no giant to me. He's a giant to you. The only giant in my life is Jehovah God. And I know what he did for me in the past when I took out a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. And he ain't done yet because he's on a roll. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul finally said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Well, the Lord was always with David because David had such a relationship with the Lord that passed trauma in his life and God delivered him out of it was used to bolster his faith when the next challenge come along. If you know something about the goodness of the Lord, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has helped you in the past, don't you be intimidated by challenges that come up to you. God is bigger than any challenge that might come up in your life and God has the hand to handle any enemies that oppose God and God's will. Do you believe that today? Amen. I believe it with all my heart because the word testifies to it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What we see God do with our natural eyes establishes a reference point. Will somebody say a reference point for us to fall back on? Notice what verse 21 says. Now, you have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. Watch this reference point. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. The Lord will do the same. He, he, God wants Joshua to have a reference point for what God can and will do. A reference point is something that you can fall back on that says God is able. Amen. When you have new challenges, right? You have a reference point that says God is able. God can do it. I don't have to sweat this. I'm not going to panic. Remember Mr. Big Van? I told you about Mr. Yes. Big Van. Mr. Big Van was down in Manchester wearing his pants up here. Mr. Big Van, how you doing today? Oh, young bro. Everything ain't going my way, but I ain't going to panic. And that's a good motto for a Christian. When stuff don't go your way, don't, don't sweat it, because God is bigger than the stuff. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Final point, final point. Do not be afraid of power people, right? We touched on this, who, 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 who oppose God's plan for his church. Don't fear power, people. Fear only God. Amen. Amen? Fear only God. In Christ, God has given us too much power, too much love, and too much of a strong mind to fear anyone. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God doesn't give the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
I want to close with this. It's on your sheet, but I just want to share it and briefly unpack it, and then we're closed. Listen to this. Not only does God own you. Matter of fact, did you know that? If you're a Christian, do you know God owns you? That includes your body, your soul, and your spirit. I I, I believe in tripartite. I believe in body, soul, and spirit. God owns all of it. He, he, He owns you. So when you get to talk about your rights, be careful. Because God can overrule what you think are your rights because he owns you. Right? Right. Not only does God own you and I, Romans 10, 9, that's lordship. Not only does God own the church, universal, Ephesians 1, 22, 23. Not only does God own the earth, its fullness, the world, and all they that dwell therein, Psalm 24, 1. But the Lord also owns boxing gloves. Did you know that? He, he also owns boxing gloves. Because if you look at the text, do not be afraid of them. The Lord is going to do the same. That's your reference point. He's going to do the same. The same is what he did to those other kings that opposed you. That's the reference point. That's what you build off of, right? Build off of what God has already done for you. That's your reference. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight, watch this, for you. The Lord got, Lord got some boxing gloves. So I close this message by saying to each and every one of you, my proper proclamation for the God's strength and for God's power, and that is, the champ is here! The champ is here! The champ is here! Because in the corner of the church, He's in, do you know, he's in, he's in the church's corner. You do know that, right? Amen. He wears white trunks, white robe, and a crown on his head. And he is the universal champ. Not just the heavyweight champ of the world. He's the heavyweight champ of the universe. Amen? Amen. And he himself will fight for you. Would you join me on your feet? Would you join me on your feet? And while you're on your feet, would you give God a praise? Amen.